Hello and welcome to Occupied Thoughts, a podcast brought to you by the Foundation for Middle East Peace. I'm Sarah Ann Minkin, Director of Programs and Partnerships for the Foundation. Today is March 21st, 2023, and I am very grateful to be here today with Ali Awad and Cassandra Dixon. Ali is a writer and activist from the village of Tuba in Masafriyata, which is in the South Hebron Hills in the West Bank, an area that is under extreme threat of dispossession by the IDF and faces ongoing attacks from Israeli settlers in the area. Ali is co-founder of a new media project, Humans of Masafriyata, which is on Instagram and Substack, and which I strongly recommend following. We have links for this project on our on the homepage of this podcast. Ali, thank you so much for being here. We also have Cassandra Dixon. Cassandra is a residential carpenter in Madison, Wisconsin, lives near Wisconsin Dells at a Catholic worker house that provides hospitality to low-income women and families visiting a loved one at a nearby federal prison. Cassandra is 64 years old. Cassandra, thank you for being here. Hi, thank you so much for having both of us on. Last week, Cassandra was volunteering in Ali's village, Tuba, standing on land belonging to residents of the village. Settlers from the nearby settlement outpost of Chavat Ma'on attacked. One of them hit Cassandra in the head with a weapon. She was hospitalized. She suffered internal bleeding and a concussion. You can read an article about this attack on 972 Magazine. The article is entitled, Who Hits a 64-Year-Old Woman with a Bat? I'm so glad that you're well enough to be with us today, Cassandra. And we're going to be talking about this attack. We're going to talk about the settler violence in Tuba, what's happening now in Masafriyata more broadly. And before we begin, or as we begin, I just want to say that consumers of the Foundation for Middle East Peace of our media, whether you're regular listeners to this podcast or you follow our weekly news roundup, you know that we are very focused on Masafriyata. And you'll recognize Ali because we've been lucky enough to have him on our podcast before. And we want to be transparent that there is always a tension when we highlight, when, a per when anyone highlights an attack or violence that happens to a person who is not Palestinian. International media is often more interested in attacks on people who aren't Palestinian. And there's a way of talking about attacks that make it seem like they are one-offs or that they're somehow more significant because they happen to an American or a Jewish person or a white person. But we know that Palestinians face violence carried out by Israelis all over the West Bank and that this violence is a strategic tool. It aims to drive Palestinians off their land so that Israelis can gain control over that land. The attack on Cassandra last week was horrific and we want to talk about it. And we're going to use this discussion to bring attention to the layers of terror that Palestinians like Ali face from settlers, from the violent system of occupation, from Israeli security forces, from the military administration, and more. So to begin, Cassandra, before you talk to us about the day that you were attacked, will you tell us please what you were doing in Tuba? Sure. Um, yes, and I really want to thank you for that introduction. Um, and it, that introduction is also really exactly why I was was in the area. 
because Palestinians are violently attacked on a regular basis, um, both uh, physically attacked in an immediate sense. Um, a couple of days ago, uh, a Palestinian resident of, of Tuba was attacked by a settler who bit him on the jaw and sprayed tear gas directly into his eyes. So like, for sure, you know, this random attack on someone who happens to be from the U.S. is not is not uh, in the daily life of Palestinians. That's not such a rare thing, even though we are shocked by it. Um, and and also because in addition to the, the the violent attacks and the ongoing threat of violent attacks, the, the settlers from Havat Mon have been encroaching on the village of Tuba from all directions, um, stealing land by her, uh, grazing their flocks of sheep on it, closer and closer and closer to the village, stealing the crops that were cultivated on the, it this spring, bringing the, the military and the police with them who then back them up and allow them to remain on that land, um, in effect, stealing that land and expanding the illegal outpost of Habat Mon. So that now the Tuba is facing situation where settlers um, the other day uh, when this other person was attacked the settlers came actually into the village um, very close to the houses and probably would have entered the houses had people not come out and confronted them with cameras so people are living daily in a situation that I honestly cannot imagine coping with day in and day out for years and years and years and years. To be a, a, a young mother in that situation and your, your children live there, to be a, a father or to be trying to, to work and support a family. People are having to sell sheep in order to buy expensive grain to feed them now during a time of year when they should be grazing on the crops that those people planted for them earlier in the year. So the, that, we're seeing ethnic cleansing happening in, in real time in these small incremental actions every day, every day, every day. Nights when people are afraid to go to sleep because settlers have been gathering on, on the hilltop or, or have assaulted someone earlier in the day. Um, the complete inability to walk anywhere from Tuba now in any kind of safety. Um, there are school children there who, who attend school in Tawani who make the walk between the settlement and the outpost. And there is a military escort tasked with their safety um, that accompanies them now only a small portion of the way um, of their path. And now their, their path is full of the possibility of settlers the entire path. So for instance, the, er the area where I was attacked, children have to walk exactly on that space alone in order to reach school. They, the, the soldiers don't come out that far to meet them. And in fact, the settlers were complaining to the police that oh, there, are, there are people, they come here with the children and they shouldn't be there. So, and in reality, the, the settlers have no claim to that land. So Tuba is, is facing this pinching motion from all sides and Tuba's not alone. Many, many villages are in the situation where outposts are expanding, they're making all of the paths unsafe. The, the one road that comes into there is a horrendous road that's sometimes completely impassable and generally impassable if you don't have a really strong car with a low gear. Tuba does not own a car, so there's no way for people to flee even if they, if they were to decide this is the night we all have to get out of here. There's no way to do that. 
it's it's an absolutely untenable situation. Thank you for all of that. So and here is to see this. Yeah. You were there to see this. Right. You came in from Wisconsin. That's right. Yes, because I remember that the question was actually why were you were you here? And so yes, this this is why because this is this is shocking to me. I mean, this does not happen in Wisconsin. This this doesn't happen in in my life. And um, but it is happening here with my tax dollars. A lots and lots and lots of my tax dollars. And so I feel I have a responsibility to to try to understand that and to go home and talk about it. I'm, I'm hoping, I'm really hoping to be able to talk with my Senator, Senator Tammy Baldwin when I get home. Her office has been very helpful in um, contacting the State Department and trying to, uh, trying to push for some consequences for the settler. Oh, good. I, I wanna ask you about, oh, sorry. I, let me, no, no, I, no I wanna ask you, um, I, we're going to, I'm going to ask you about about the about the U.S. government, but let's let's back up just for one moment. Um, first of all, thank you for for everything that you just described about what's going on in Tuba, uh, and I I just want to remind our our readers, anyone who follows Ali, you know that he is a a gorgeous writer, and he has written about this experience of of being a child walking these roads to school, and um, and of more of actually accompanying children to school because they need escorts because they are not safe from settlers. Mm -hmm. And I will put links to, to Ali's articles um, and to his articles describing life in Tuba on, on the homepage. But let's let's talk about the day that you were attacked, Cassandra. And Ali, hold on one, just one moment because we're gonna hear about this day from Cassandra and then I'm gonna ask you, Ali, also um, because you were in Tuba yes, that day. So Cassandra, what were you doing in Tuba the day that you were attacked and, and what happened that day? Okay, and I think all I can also talk about the previous days and, and weeks kind of leading up to this situation with the, where the settlers were on the land. And, but um, I and, and a companion were very close to the village of Tuba um, and were really doing nothing. Uh, we, we were out kind of, looking, but um, we were we were nowhere near Havatmon, but we could see a um, settler shepherd approaching from from the illegal outpost of Havatmon with a flock. And he grazed that flock on land which had been cultivated by the people of Tuba earlier in the year um, for a portion of the morning. And um, around 11 o'clock, we were had actually headed back to Tuba and um, thought that that settler had, had begun to move away. But shortly before we left, we saw four settlers running um, from Havatmon to behind a hill that was directly above us. And as we were moving back, two of those settlers began to chase us. And um, they chased my friend who was with me um, almost to the edge of Tuba, waving an iron bar in his face and, and threatening him. And at the same time, another one, another settler hit me from behind on my head. And um, so from that point on, I, I lost consciousness for a while, but my understanding from the video and from the person I was with was that after that settler hit me, they, they both left and ran back to, in the direction of, of the outpost of Habat Mon. So, and 
eventually I was able to kind of get up and we, we were both able to move into Tuba where the village people from the village, the women took care of the, like they looked at the cut and they, I think used all of the first aid supplies in the village of Tuba on, on my head that day. And, uh, uh, drove us both to the hospital. So. Thank you. Uh, Ali, will you, will you tell us about what happened in Tuba that day? <laughs> yes. So, uh, actually, like the day that Cassandra and uh, her friend like were attacked in my village Tuba, it's like, it looked like a similar day that has been happening of ongoing settlers assaults against our fields since more than one month, since actually like this like land where the where Cassandra described, it belongs to my grandfather. It's, the, it's like my family's land. And me and my grandfather, we cultivated it like at the beginning of the winter, at the beginning of this year. So since these fields like grow up and we have like plantations inside these fields, the settlers started like in every day as that they did in March 7th, when they attacked Cassandra, they come and they try to make these fields like uh, to destroy all the crops and to make the plants not really keep growing. Why? Because like, first of all, like yani, our presence in every like meter of our land, it's a protection for our land from the settlers grab. And because the, why like to wonder why the settlers is preventing our crops from growing? Because they have like a legal protection like enforced by their government against us in order to achieve the, the, the building and the expansion of the outposts. Because the, the like, the Israeli occupation in Masafar Yatta and in the whole occupied Palestinian territories, they enforce laws that comes against the Palestinians for the benefits, just for the benefits of the colonialism and for the colonialist spots. The fields and the lands that are there around it, around our cultivated fields, they enforce the outdated Ottoman law, which is called the state land law, which they, they claim if the Palestinians don't use his land for a few years, they will turn it for the, for the state and then the state will lease it to the settlers. And this is the way that the settlers are be, have been like expanding and building their agricultural outposts. So the settlers want like, want to be the, the tool of ensuring this law to show to the state and to the aerial photos and to everything that this field is not is not cultivated this field have these palestinians are not using these fields so the state you should declare it as a state land and then give it to us or an, another thing that they want also to terrorize us from accessing this land. If they did not succeed by this year from not showing that this field is cultivated, next year we will be like as Palestinians, we will be terrorized from using these fields so they easily declare it as a state land and have like the legal excuse in order to build an agricultural outpost uh, over our, my, family's, my family's land. From the other side, like I want to expand a little bit about what's happening in Masafar Yatta, like my village and other urban villages in Masafar Yatta, because of the like 
we have like talked in a special podcast with you about like the, the Israeli Supreme Court and the declaration of the firing zone. Our villages today, that 11, 12 Palestinian villages in Masafir Yatta are facing the imminent eviction. Like the Israeli Supreme Court in May 4th, 2022, last year, have given the green light, the fate of more than thousands of Palestinians, including myself and my family, in the fate of the army to use our homes as a military field and to push us out of our fields. So here in Masafir Yatta, there is like a chain of settlements and there is the firing zone that is coming and kicking us in between. If the firing zone and the declaration of the firing zone doesn't allow the army to kick us out of our homes, the settlers will try to complete this work by terrorizing the Palestinians, by expanding Israeli agricultural outposts over their fields, and also by killing the economy of the Palestinians. Here in this area where Palestinians are not allowed to develop any kind of economic infrastructure, the only way for us as Palestinians is the live stock and the plantation in order to survive. So if the settlers are killing and stealing these fields and making our plants don't grow, our sheep will face hunger and eventually ourselves so that we, they will be able to ethnically cleanize us from, from a certain So talking about like the day that Wait, Ali, I'm going to interrupt you just for one second, because that was so much at, at once. I just want to, for one second, for our listeners, just to, that was, thank you for updating us on what's been happening in Masafriyata and, and, and um, well, first and specifically in Tuba and on your, your grandfather's land, your family's land, and with the settlers and their increased attacks and taking over land by grazing their animals on your fields. and. So that that's the, this part where you started. And then I just you you mentioned that we did a podcast about the firing zone. And um, and I want to point our listeners. We did this podcast in the middle of 2023. I'll, I'll put a link. Uh, sorry, of 2022. I'll put a link on the on the homepage. But in that podcast, Ali talked specifically about what it means to live in Masafriyata, exactly as he just described again, where they're they're squeezed in between the chain of settlements and the firing zone and the ethnic, the impending ethnic cleansing of the people who live in the firing zone, the dispossession, the war crime that is expected to come that the Israeli Supreme Court uh, greenlit last May. So this is our setup. Thank you, Ali, for giving us all of that. And then now tell us, so the day that Cassandra was attacked and she just told us about the attack, you were in Tuba. So please tell us about that day. Yeah. So at the moment, like when Cassandra was like was attacked, I was not present in my grandfather's fields. Meanwhile, there were like there was a settler who grazing their flocks inside our field, and but I was expecting like I was about like to go there because it was not like the first day that we are surprised to see a settler coming from the nearby outpost of Khavat Maon like the name of the outpost, the nearest, the nearest one to my village, it's called Chavat Ma'on. And it, we were not surprised that the settler is coming, like we were expecting it. So since two months, like my daily life looks like 
that just I'm following up with uh, trying to protect my family's field with my camera and with my other friends, international solidarity groups. But I was, uh, I was still a little bit busy at the house. And then I was about like to go to the place to try to document, even though like the things that were not really encouraging me to go and as fast as possible because of, I wrote like, uh, I wrote like, uh, like an Instagram post showing before the attack of Cassandra, an Israeli soldier standing and making like this in a photo with, uh, with, an, with a settler masked with COVID mask with their sheep inside my family's flock. So I wrote, if the thief is the judge, who will hear the complaint? Because at the end of the day for us, the Palestinians in every kind of seeking for justice, we only have the, the, the like the occupation courts, which they are, in, they are the same one, the same judge who enforce the state land law, who declare my family's land as a state land and allow the settlers to graze inside them. He's the one that I should take my case into him in order to seek for justice and to protect my properties and also to try to stop a violence against myself and my family. So I was like a little bit like devastated devastated from going as fast as possible because I said, now if I go and I, say, I, won't, I, will, I will call the Israeli police and when they come, they will tell me we already as occupation declared it as a state land and now the, the settlers is the one that is allowed to, to be inside it. And this is what happened. And I have a video of an Israeli soldier and Israeli police kicking me out of my grandfather's fields and he told me, according to the state land law, you are not allowed even to stand in it. And he's allowing the settler to graze inside it in the same moments. So that's one of the reasons that I was not like in hurry in order to reach to, 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 the, to the place because I found myself that is kind of uh, in all my activism uh, in part of the fields, not really as effective and uh, the only thing that I will go to document, but uh, I I don't want to say not I didn't expect the attack like I expected it and it's something that is known for me like Chavat Maon it's almost the same of my age I'm 25 years old I was born in 1998 in in Tuba and it was the same time the same period where Chavat Maon was was being building in uh, in in the area so I know how violence and I have been growing up witnessing the violence, the violence of the settlers from this outpost against me. So I know how violent these settlers are. But as I know, like these, like the same group of settlers who are using their flocks every day, nobody is trying to stop them. Like the forces, they come and they support them. They give them the legal protection in order to do that. Because at the end of the day, like the Israeli government uh, could not achieve the occupation without giving the, all the power to those settlers in order to build the settlements. Anyway, so uh, like uh, when Cassandra like was attacked, we all the village like we we heard about it and we start like to we met them like coming back from the field like the field is just a few hundred meters out, away from the nearest house at the edge of Tuba, and then uh, I saw like uh, Cassandra. Was, like other women and her friend uh, trying to help her to come back to the to the village and she was bleeding from her nose and from her ears 
and uh, like the woman helped her to like to clean the blood and then we drove together to to the nearest hospital uh, in in like in the west bank which is in the town of yapa and then after they made like the like the like the like checking of the of the injury they found that they have to transfer her to another hospital in the city of hebron where they can deal with her case which at the end of the day when she left the hospital she found that the the hit on her head by the wooden stick uh, caused uh, fractures and uh, ble- like drops of blood reached to the brain thank you thank you for all of that ali so cassandra so your skull was fractured you blood reached your brain you you got a concussion can you right but i i got um incredible care and i i am so grateful to the the doctors and the nurses in in the in the hospitals both in both in yetta and and also in al-khalil they were fantastic and and i i'm really grateful to ali for getting me there quickly and um the doctor told me that i i am fortunate that i have a very hard head so i guess i'm also fortunate grateful for my hard head but i um i just it it's this violence is shocking to us i know that my family and my friends are appalled you know but it is such a daily occurrence for palestinians and it's um if you the i'm the only way to avoid it would be to completely i, I mean i i guess there is no way you know because as long as as for tuba as long as people insist to remain on their land and there is no option but to do that because that's what there is that's all there is as long as they remain there uh, until the outpost is is removed there's going to be this threat of violence every day so what happened to me in uh, on march 7th is shocking but it could have any of the women who cared for me at any Yes. Thank you for that and 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 for that reminder. Um can you tell us what happened what has happened since this March 7th attack? Have you did you contact Israeli authorities? You mentioned contacting your senator. Start start for us with what the what has the response from Israeli or or did you contact Israeli authorities and and what has their response been? So, I called the US consulate um while we were still in tuba and uh asked them what i like what i needed to do what i should do and they said you don't need to call the police from here you should go immediately to the hospital which we did um in order uh for either palestinians or internationals to file a complaint um it's necessary to go into the settlement of kiryat arba and into the police station inside that settlement so it was um when i was in the hospital and then i was really pretty much flat for a couple of days in bed and uh it was a few days before we went but eventually my the person that witnessed this and myself uh went to kiryat arba to make the complaint and we have video that um from his camera the video in my camera was destroyed when i apparently when i fell on the camera but we have the other video and so I mean we were pretty confident that we could identify those settlers it it, it was uh from certainly from a a US point of view um it was 
pretty startling how we were treated. I mean, we were definitely, they, they told me that um, in order to, that the people in Israel, they don't attack people for no reason. So now that they had this job that they needed to catch this person because it was undeniable that I had a, a, a head wound and definitely had been hurt. Now that it was their job to catch that person, they needed to, to know from me what I had done to provoke that attack so that they could find the person that I had provoked. And that included um, who I might've known, who, how someone else that I maybe would have known or stayed with or traveled with or whatever might've provoked that attack. What, like it was, uh, there was no possibility, it seemed that it was actually provoked by the person who carried it out in their mind. Who, who was the they who told you this? The police. The police in Kiryat Arba when you were uh, making the, your complaint. It, I, that I talked with, um, and also the police translator, who is a settler himself. So this was uh, not, uh, not a walk in the park for me that day, but for Palestinians who need to go in and make a complaint, it's much worse. And uh, it's, a, it's a completely different entrance to the police station and a completely different and much worse experience from start to finish. So um, it wouldn't be unusual for a Palestinian to arrive to make a complaint about the, the theft of sheep or land or an injury to themselves or an injury to someone they were with or any of these things and wait for hours outside the police station in rain or under the sun or whatever whatever the situation is, and then possibly be told that you need to come back the following day, or it would be possible to go in, but then wind up being interrogated yourself and quite possibly charged with something yourself, even though you yourself are the victim when you walk in. And, and to do all of this, you, you have no access to, to courts of of your own of your own nation, you have to go to the court of the nation of the person who harmed you. Right, right. Thank you, thank you for that. And uh, as you're as you're talking, I'm thinking about a, a podcast that my colleague uh, Kristen McCarthy did a few weeks ago with the executive director of, of Yeshdin, uh, whose name is, is Ziv Stahl. Um, it's an excellent podcast. I recommend everyone listen to it, and it and it is about. Uh, the new uh, research that Yeshdin just published. They, their paper is called Law Enforcement on Israeli Civilians in the West Bank, Settler Violence, 2005 to 2022. And this, it's a, it's a, a data sheet. It's a, it's a report. It provides the data that supports exactly what you're talking about, which is that settlers have essentially impunity for their violence. Um, and the, the quote says, uh, the, the, the report says, and, and I'll, I'll, I'll quote just a tiny bit of it, that there is, quote, ineffective prevention, failed police investigations, low indictment rate, and lenient sentences for convicted offenders. This is about the systemic failure of the state of Israel to enforce laws against settlers for their consistent attacks on Palestinians. And um, Yeshdin says that 93% of all investigations into what they call ideologically motivated crime in the West Bank, 93% of all investigations are closed without indictment. So I recommend looking at the Yesh to, to our listeners, look at the Yeshdin report, listen to Kristen and Zeev's uh, podcast, which is excellent. 
And also just note that the they reported the podcast early in February, which was before settlers rampaged through the town of Hawara, uh, committing a pogrom there, burning homes, attacking people, attacking animals, destroying property, and soldiers did not prevent the settler attacks. And according to many accounts, soldiers restrained Palestinians while settlers were attacking. So you, Cassandra, just described for us what your experience of this interface with, with the police was like, as well as what Palestinians face in, in this um, intense, uh, incredible ongoing injustice of the inability to hold settlers accountable for their violence and for their crimes against Palestinians, and, and in your case, against someone who was standing with Palestinians. Right. I also think that the, the fact that I am from the U.S. May, um, may somewhat be helping at this point, because the when I went in today to give a DNA sample, because they have found a stick that maybe maybe is the stick that hit me and maybe has my blood on it. But they had the statement that I had sent to the to the U.S. consulate there. And I um, my senator's office has been pushing them a little bit like I, I don't know, really, I have no idea how these things work, but I have the general impression that it being an American it is different from it it being someone else. And in some ways, this kind of stands to reason because we are actually, as Americans, paying their salaries. Thank you for that. So tell us about the Americans. You contacted the, the consulate. How have the Americans responded? Yes, and right, I'm sorry, the, the, the US, like America is big and I'm from the US, so, but the right. US consulate, um, the office of, of, yeah, my mistake, I'm so sorry. The Office of Palestinian Affairs has been um, great. They they have been back and forth in touch with both both myself and also with Ali. They had visited the the area and visited Akuba um, a few weeks prior to this, and I, that was um, really helpful. That they had sort of an on the ground understanding and and had had the benefit of talking with Ali and other people from the village. Um, I also spoke with them from the ambulance um, on the way to the hospital when the uh, the other person from Tuba was was injured with the pepper spray and the the bite recently and um, so I and and their response was like I think one of very real care for the situation that's happening. However, the the portion of the U.S. consulate that that I would really like to see come and visit is the the next level up, and I and I guess that's the portion that's now in Tel Aviv, and that um, hasn't happened yet. But I I do feel like um, like you can see kind of the 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 strings between the U.S. and Israel, like you can see them everywhere, and you all see them in this situation. Do you want to say more about your senator? Uh, senator Tammy Baldwin is a, um, a progressive senator uh, from the U.S. She's um, been in office a, a long time. She's um, has not until now chosen to. I don't know uh, how can I say she she has not uh, really taken on the the issue of of human rights violations of Palestinians up until this point, but or been willing to question U.S. funding of Israel and the use of that funding for, um, for police and soldiers that then fail to, to address settler violence. And I think has not been willing to 
to address settlement expansion. And settlement expansion sounds very innocuous. It sounds like it's just like, a, you know, building an addition to your house. But settlement expansion is exactly what is what is threatening Tuba right now. And this uh, this attack is a is a piece of settlement expansion. It's a it's part of how they they push those those boundaries farther and farther and farther. So I'm really hopeful um, of uh, being able to meet with her when I get back. I'm hoping for that. And um, I mean, I want to believe that it's it, that everyone can can broaden their knowledge and can change and that and that hopefully that includes elected officials in the United States. I hope so. And I'm very grateful to her office for for their intervention with the State Department for insisting that um, that the State Department follow this case and that there be a written report. I'm grateful for that. So that that. That's their intervention. So you contacted their office and they asked the State Department to follow the case. Yes, that's my understanding. And um, it's uh, my city has a sister city friendship with uh, the city of Rafa in Gaza. And so that group of people has been in touch with um, with her office for over many years and has a relationship with her staff. And so they have been talking during this time. Terrific. Thank you for that. Uh, she's known for her her constituent affairs. Like she, she really takes care of constituents and and always has. And so I think at the moment that I'm kind of falling under that umbrella, less than um, more so than under a, a a political umbrella at the moment. And um, yeah, so I I guess I'm grateful for the possible opening for dialogue that that might make in the end. So thanks. Thank you for for taking that opening. Um, I want to just ask, Ali, you mentioned, we, we have talked now a, a fair amount about the relationship between settlers and, and the military. And you mentioned that a, a photograph on your Instagram. And I, I want to um, just make another plug for everyone to follow your Instagram. And I'll, I'll have a, a, a link to it on the, the homepage for this, for this podcast. But you mentioned a photo that you took recently of a, a soldier making the, pe the peace sign, right? Next, standing next to a settler. Um, can you just talk to us a little bit about about the relationship between settlers and the military just a little bit more what you see is that changing now as settlers are are increasing increasingly on your land or the last time we spoke actually there was more military on your land there were, the army was there much more because they had already begun to do their training in the firing zone and they were coming closer and closer to the houses so just Tell us for a moment about a little bit more about that relationship. Yeah, so this this kind of relationship, I think it's a systematic, like they really mean to have it. And uh, I mean, like I also mentioned like this sentence a lot and I have written it in when the settlers like burned the hay bills of my family in June 2021 in my article like that soldiers and the settlers are working in tandem in order to steal our resources and to cook us off our land so that like the i mean the settlers as i mentioned before like the settlers are it's kind of a tool that the military and the the state of israel is using in order to achieve the occupation so the settlers like feel, they have to feel all kind of power supported by the state in order to be able to to steal the lands from from the palestinians 
I mean, I just like to talk more about like the like the relationship and to talk like about like the last month, just like since 20 of February 2023 until this date of the incidents that have been approving of how like the you seem look like not kind even of relationship. You see that the Israeli army is taking orders from the settlers in the field like you see that the army is there just in order to achieve what the settlers really are trying to do for example like talking about the when the settler enter in a land that it is declared as a state land or in a land that is still not declared as a state land a few days ago uh, my friend from tuba he, he's like uh, 19 years old he, he saw like a, a settler that entered inside a private land that belongs to his family, where they have like plantations, like flowers blooming, and the settler is just coming with their sheep and eating them all. He started like to film from a few meters away from the settlers because the settlers are known in their, in their violence. And he's not really sure that he can approach in order to take the sheep of the settlers out of his fields. And then he, we, like, he, he, like we spoke with the, with the Israeli police and other people like activists from the area tried to order the Israeli police. When the Israeli police like heard that everything showing to be right for the Palestinians. First of all, they went to the settler who was in the field. And it seems that they like played a game in order to charge this kid Shepard, this my friend, for something in order not to get the settlers accountable because he has videos and the legal status of the occupation for this piece of land showing that the settler is violating the law, that, that this kind of law, even this colonial law, this settler violated it and exceeded it. So it seems that the settlers might be kind of like guilty, let's say. He's guilty in general, but like for their law, he might be clearly guilty. So they, when they arrived, like the police to the, like I have it in my Instagram, one video, when the police was putting my friend inside the police car, saying the settlers were grazing inside our village of Tuba, and now they sent the Israeli police to arrest the shepherd. So after he, he like the Israeli police vehicle, for sure arrived first of all to the outpost, then listened to the settlers. And after that, whatever the settlers claimed, the Israeli police and army, come to achieve, to carry out against the Palestinians. He came to, to my friend, and there was a standing next to him, and they said, there is a claim from your side and another claim from, from the settler's side, and we you are now detained for this. It's not that we should go and investigate this situation, or you are saying that you are showing, or the, my friend was showing them videos of the settler's sheep inside his fields. They did not take that in consideration. Just because the settler, like the criminal, the guilty, claimed something, they took detained my friend. And the settler went with his car to the settlement of Kariat Arba, where the Israeli police station is located in the city of Al-Khalil, and filed a complaint. My friend was detained, who was attacked, or his field were attacked, and the, the guilty wanted to file a complaint with a fake medical report that my friend attacked him. Then at the end of the investigation, the, uh, the 
my friend was hearing that the police were calling with the settler and asking him how much fine he wants from my friend. And the settler was saying 5,000 shekels, which you are talking about 2,000 USD. Like my friend is 19 years old, Shepard. He doesn't have this amount of money for paying it just because he was attacked. So he said like, I can't like have, I don't have this money. Then they said, you go to jail if you don't pay this money. They said, everything you are doing it against me and you have the power to do it and nobody's protecting me. So for sure you can put me in jail, but I, don't, I really don't have this, this amount of money. Then the, after that, he heard the, the policeman in the police station speaking with the settlers again. And the settler said, okay, let's make it a 3,000. Then he, they said, neither 3,000. I don't have any shekel in my, in, my, in my pocket. I don't have any money to pay it. And I don't think that I need to pay any money. Then this, like we hired him a lawyer that followed up his case and the lawyer spoke with him for which reason he has to pay this money. He, he's supposed to come to file a complaint against the crime that happened against him. And now you are making him the guilty. So they, they said, okay, you guarantee that this investigation is not finished and we might need him to come again. So you guarantee that he come again. For now, he has to pay 1,000 shekel and uh, 2,000 shekels will be in case that we found another things against him. So I went there in the same day, I was there with a video of one month old videos of days, like for, for one month with, with SD card in order to file a complaint. I was waiting at the moment, this was happening with my friend inside the police station. I was waiting at the gate to file a complaint with the documents that approve that this land belongs to my family and this settler was harassing our plantation. For three hours, they didn't open for me. And then at the end, the, the family called me to like to find somehow a way to pay the 1,000 shekel. I drove to a friend who borrowed us the 1,000 shekel. And then the, the, the policeman came, stole the money from me behind the gate. I told him, I have a fine for my friend. And also, I want to file a complaint. Can you please let me in? He took the money and went it away. So then we like, I didn't. You see how is like the situation, it is not about relationship even. It's about like, even you see that the settlers have the authority inside, inside like the occupied territories against the Palestinians. And that's like the, the forces, the occupation forces are there just to enforce these kind of, uh, let's say, I don't know how to call them, but this kind of violence in order to uh, protect the settlers committing them. So what I want to say that, uh, I mean, like the, for us, like the Palestinians, yani, to kind of conclude of what I want to say, we are like a victim of, let's say, ongoing colonial projects imposed against us. And all this kind of policies is uh, aiming in order to drive us off our land. The state of Israel is bringing and supporting settlers to build outposts over our land and to steal our fields and leave us nothing. So eventually we leave from our homes. These settlers, this violence, we are, I don't know, like what's what going to be our future, like how, or how my tomorrow will look like. These settlers are have authorized guns. You see like settlers with guns in their pockets inside my village and with, where the police and the army is standing there. So the aim also to give them like the, the, the guns. So if this settler 
how would my life guarantee that this settler would not, would not shoot me if he aims to kick me out from here? Under like he, he he knows that he will not face any legal like let's say procedures because why he's gonna be brought to his own police and they will they are there to support him. He, so how we guarantee that we Palestinians why Palestinians are shot and killed almost in daily basis by settlers because the settlers have all the power in order to do that and this is the goal for them to do that. This is like the armed settlers with all kind of supports. Our fates as Palestinians, our life is in the hand of those who don't want us here. So what the world gonna expect them to be to, to behave with us? Ali, thank you so much for all of that. You 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 laid out the very many layers and the very many faces of the structural violence that Palestinians face in, in such a clear way. Thank you for sharing all of that with us. Um, and for taking the time to to share that with us, we're we're going to move towards closing now. Um, Ali, I have one more question for you, but but first, Cassandra, I just I want I want to ask you, um, as we go, what's what is your message? Listening to Ali, spending time in Tuba, spending time in 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 Masafariyata, what's your message to Israeli authorities, to Israelis? What I get three three messages to Israelis, to people in the U.S., and also what is your message to Palestinians? Huh. Well, um, I guess to start with the U.S., um, we own this. This is ours. We buy this. We buy this every day, and we should really. Uh, um, look to what we're buying, and if we don't want to be paying for violent attacks, if we don't want to be paying for for acquiescence in by authorities in the in the stealing of land, if we don't want to be paying for the stealing of land to be used as a as a firing zone, then we should stop that. It's within our power. Um, in, in theory, we live in a democracy and we, we should attend to that because this is on us. And, and there's, not, um, there's no excuse for not addressing that. There's no excuse for ethnic cleansing being carried out with our tax dollars without, without, without addressing that. There's, there's no excuse. Um, I think um, for my thoughts about uh, the state of Israel. I, I guess I'm at a loss, I'm sorry. I, I, uh, I just. That's, that's a powerful message right there. Yeah, I, I guess I'm at a loss. I, okay. And I, my, my thoughts about Palestinians is that I, I just, uh, I, I greatly hope that the world steps up and, and stands with Palestine. I greatly hope that. Thank you, Cassandra. And, and Ali, I wanted to ask you one, one last question. Um, what helps you, you, you have now described for us in such detail about all of these efforts that you're facing every day to remove you and your family and your friends and your extended family and, and 
the rest of the people in Masafariyata from your land um, and to change your life in that way, to remove you from, from your land. And yet you spend every day and you describe to us explicitly what the last few months have been like for you with your camera, documenting, helping people, helping people stay on the land. And so I wanted to ask you, what helps you to do what you do and what helps you to, to stay on your land? First of all, like, uh... What helps me, like, because I believe, like, I don't, be I don't believe that any human deserves injustice to be committed against them. No human deserves injustice, and no human deserve all, like, like, have the right to commit injustice against other people. I don't accept, like, to see somebody is suffering and they just stand there. Except, like. Not accept, but also what if it is my my own family, my own people, which we share the same blood. So for me, like the most help me that as long as my people is struggling to stay home, I am with them and they will be with them. Uh, doesn't matter what's the consequences. The occupation can do anything to me. The occupation already arrested me and also injured members of my family and i saw members of my family fighting death because of settlers violence so all of this have already happened and we have no other choice we are giving a message to the world that we just want to survive we are civilians like just trying to live our lives normally we are simple shepherds and farmers and we are love this our this simple life we want to continue through it we don't believe in violence we believe in, in peace. We don't want to hurt anybody, but please nobody have the right to hurt us. So as long as we believe that we are staying here despite all this, unless the occupation kill us or kick us out and build a wall around our home, we are here. So also I believe that Palestine had a lot of following injustices in the past and other empires and occupations past. So I believe that no injustice will stay in this land. So we will keep like uh, fighting in order to bring the peace again to this land and to hopefully devil will, will disappear over it. So that, like to conclude, like to summarize what helps me first of all, my people, this is my land. I have never been away from this place. This land, grow me up like the plantation and the milk of its sheep is in my shoulders as we see. So it's the time to give back to the people who brought me up. And that I, as I believe my beloved one don't deserve injustices or any other human beings doesn't deserve injustices. So I will keep doing it and trying to help in any, anyhow, maybe it's, it's a very simple thing what I am doing, but at least I will be satisfied in my, in my thoughts that I am really trying to invest my 24 hours for this cause. Thank you, Ali. Thank you so much. And thank you, Cassandra. Um, Ramadan is beginning this week. And I know that there is a lot Ramadan of- Karim. Ramadan Karim. I know there's a lot of fear and anxiety about what, what this month might bring, but I want to wish you that it can bring peace and mercy in this month. Um, so Ramadan for the whole world, inshallah. Inshallah, for the whole world. And I want to thank you both for 
sharing your time and your experiences and your and your insights and your um, your commitment with us today. And I want to thank our listeners for tuning into this episode of Occupied Thoughts. Um, for our listeners, make sure that you check out our website, www.fmep.org, for resources related to this podcast. And we talked about a lot of different links that are going to be on this homepage uh, and lots of other rich content related to Palestine and to Israel. Make sure that you look. We have a special spotlight on Masafariyata on our website. So go to fmep.org. Um, make sure that you're subscribed to the podcast so that you stay up to date. We release generally an episode and sometimes more than one every week. And you can also find us on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Spotify. You can watch video versions of this podcast, of our podcasts, including this one on YouTube. Uh, so you can see us on lots of different channels. I hope that you'll join us again. And with that, I'm Sarah Ann Lincoln, signing off until the next episode of Occupied Thoughts.